Okay, well, I'm going to introduce our guests to you first, though, a little bit, um, as Harry has said, given their names, but uh, we have Clarence DeShivert and Roman Jansen, and I always think it's important to know the person. Like, you know, uh, we're not disembodied souls doing ministry, we're people. So, I'm interested in their personal lives, so here's a little bit about uh, Clarence, first of all. Clarence currently works as a career counselor for the Nova Scotia Community College, and I think that's a, the Akerley, is it? No, IT campus. IT Central campus. office. Yeah, so in Metro. And he has over 28 years of experience in career counseling field in Nova Scotia, and has worked on over a dozen Canada-wide career projects. So he's, he shares that a favorite aspect of his work is listening to people's stories to help them see more deeply who they are as they journey through life. So I think this is good training for the work that he's going to be sharing. Uh, he is currently also an adjunct professor here at Acadia University and teaches in the uh, Department of Education and uh, teaches graduate courses in career counseling and work and life planning. So his educational background is uh, a Bachelor of Science in rec uh, Recreation and a Master's of Education in Counseling, and those are both from Acadia. But in between there, he also got a Bachelor of Education in Outdoor and Experiential Education from Queens. So he's, <coughs> he has had a diverse educational background school teacher, outdoor instructor with young offenders, outdoor education director, outdoor specialist, and a leadership counselor with various organizations. And uh, I'm going to let him share his uh, uh, prison ministry with you later. Wilma uh, has a background in uh, early childhood education. She has a Diploma in Early Childhood Education from Mount St. Vincent University. And similar to Clarence, has a Bachelor of Arts. He did a Bachelor of Science. She did a Bachelor of Arts in Recreation Management here at Acadia University. And then uh, she has a Master of Divinity with a prison diploma here from Acadia Divinity College. At last count, Wilma can claim to have had over 32 different employment positions in her life. <laughs> uh, but for the past nine years, she's worked in the provincial and federal corrections systems. And for some of you, this will be interesting. She is currently working towards her certification as a teaching supervisor in uh, clinical pastoral education. So, getting on to our questions. Them uh, share their life and ministry with you, and I'll start with Clarence and ask you what the nature is of, of your involvement in prison ministry, how long been part of that, and how did God lead you towards it. I'm going to uh, say it's really a privilege to uh, be in the chapel here because I've been coming to the Did School for over uh, 30 years. Um, a lot of you don't know that, but uh, took courses here, 
and I'm usually here every six, seven weeks upstairs in room 201, but I'll say more about that. On a Saturday. On a Saturday. That's why you don't see normally see <coughs> I have keys to the building if anybody wants to pay me to get out of the That would be wonderful. Um, I'm going to start with a quote, and then this will help frame uh, my response. And the quote is from a, a, one of my favorite people in the world. And it goes like this. And I also want to honor the fact that it's worship and praise. I'm trying to contextualize again, find God in this. And so in my sharing, it's going to be about the honoring the presence of God in what we share in our story. Here's the quote. It's not until we share our lives with people who have been rejected by society that we come to recognize our own flaws and deeper needs. I'm going to read that again. It's not until we share our lives with people who have been rejected by society that we come to recognize our own flaws and our own deeper needs. And that uh, quote was in the Globe and Mail uh, this past year, and it's a quote from Sean Vanier. And it's, um, Sean Vanier, for me, is someone who talks about our humanity um, really emphasizes finding God in the midst of our vulnerability and in <coughs> vulnerableness in our humanity. So I'm the facilitator of the Kairos Marathons uh, at Spring Hill Institution and uh, <coughs> the marathons that happen uh, here at the Acadia Divinity College. And that is uh, a volunteer role that I've been, uh, it takes up about 15 weekends a year. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge time commitment. And um, I, I believe that if I looked back um, at what pulled me into this ministry, that it really was, I'm going to use the word, mystery. I had no goal to be in the circle. <clears throat> moving to a place where I thought myself in that role, but God has a way of working in mysterious ways. Um, and I can say that uh, I came to Acadia, back to Acadia after all, all these outdoor recreation experiences um, in the province of Ontario after graduating from Acadia and Wolfville was home for me for four years. Uh, and um, after four years being in Ontario, I was asked to come back, teach at Acadia University in the outdoor program, and then knew that with the work I had done, that um, another degree in helping others in counseling would be viable. So um, the Faculty of Education had a Master's of Counseling degree there, and uh, when I first signed up, because people knew I worked with young offenders in the province of Ontario, they said, you've got to take this course from Dr. Charlie Taylor at the Acadia Divinity College because he's working with inmates. And my first response, I'm embarrassed to say, but truthfully, I thought, why would I take a course at the Acadia Divinity College when I had this impression that all they would say is Jesus saves? And I believe that but I didn't want to just use those words. I did my 14 months, and then I stayed um, on, I was given another um, bursary to stay, 
And I cannot even remember the intentional decision to say, I'm going to go to the Div School and take one course because I could work on my thesis a second year and be paid for that. And I came to meet Dr. Charles Taylor. And I have to say, he just received the first Acadia Teacher Excellence Award. And I was in that class. And I was so touched and inspired that here is a man that embodied Christ in his interactions with others. And Charlie, for me, created a place where in the classroom and outside the classroom, where I felt I could be heard. Me, personally, I felt I could be heard. And I didn't know the impact that he had on my life back then. Hindsight's 2020. But that's what brought me into um, the Divinity College. And I uh, did his course. I was off, went to jail uh, on three occasions. And I had the, um, the ball, which is just a metaphor, rolled my way and say, Clarence, the inmates, because I opened my mouth and I want to make a difference in people's lives. In the third circle, um, which we were, in, we're in a big circle, the men said to me, what's going on in your life? And I thought to myself, I'll tell them what's going on. And after talking for a little bit, they basically came to me and said, you're speaking from your head. What's going on in your heart? And I remember becoming very vulnerable and upset because I thought I wanted to be with them, not above them. And I didn't really know what that meant at that time. I remember looking over at Charlie Taylor uh, and bleeding with my eyes. There's <laughs> tears starting to come down my face. Help me out. Help me out. But in that, the inmates helped me to see where I needed to go in terms of having Christ become more apparent in my own life. And from that place, um, I finished the course. I chose to come back to the Acadia Divinity College Marathons. And for, <coughs> for me, and after a period of time, uh, Charlie would say to me, what's your schedule looking like? How about we do another marathon here? Or I really appreciated your leadership in the circle. And over that time, he started to ask me, he said, would you mind coming back to Spring Hill with me? Because I need another set of eyes <coughs> and listening ears. He even asked me to sit across the circle from him. Um, I remember a few times I had to ask people, do you mind moving? Because uh, I'm, I was asked to be sitting here. Well, who are you? To anyway, it became a bit of a story. And then Charlie um, suffered his first heart attack, I think, in 1994. And he approached me and said, would you be willing to go to Spring Hill and lead the circle? And that's what um, has got me engaged. I didn't look for it. I didn't ask for it. And I was frightened by it. Uh, and yet, in looking back, the mystery is that God really was saying, trust in me. Trust that you're being given this call. Not kind of an instant call, but a slow conversion into growing in confidence and moving myself into a place of a willingness to be open to that because in that call um, Charlie represented Christ saying to me in a loving way 
I need you to be part of this. This is for you. Will you accept? And ultimately my answer eventually became a yes by going back again and again. So that was back, uh, I've been involved in the circles for 29 years. Next year will be my 30th year. And that's how I became uh, connected to the circle. Thank you, Clarence. You can see how God works in lives in a different way. And so I know for some of you who are experiencing a little uncertainty about your call, you know, wanting it to be sort of, you know, bolt from the blue, um, but having to work through, you can see how God has worked in Clarence's life, calling him gradually to this ministry. Wilma, uh, can you share, too, with us what your involvement is and how long and how I called you? Um, I have um, some good friends, and I've, I've actually known Clarence uh, not for that long, not for 30 years. Anyway, I have known uh, Clarence for a long time and of his involvement in the Kairos Marathons. And I had some other very good friends who were involved. And they asked me, probably for eight years, Wilma, come to the marathons, come to the marathons. And I said, no way. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not uh, making myself vulnerable to all of those people that I don't know. I am a very shy person, although people always laugh at that, but it's the truth. And uh, so I said, no, 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 no. Finally, and I, I have no idea, I say they wore me down. Um, they say it was the Holy Spirit. Um, I said, I'll go to a Christmas program, uh, because some of the folks who do the Kairos Marathon um, also do a, a, a Christmas or Advent program that Charlie also started. And so it wasn't as intense. You play games, sing songs, do puzzles. I said, okay, I'll do that. <coughs> so 19 years, 18 years ago, I went to Atlantic Institution, which is the maximum security institution in the Atlantic region. It's the first prison that I went into. Went in, went into the chapel, which is beautiful. Um, it's one of my favorites. And uh, felt perfectly at home. And so I went back the next year to do the Christmas program again. And the next marathon would have probably been in March. And I said, okay, I'll go to a marathon and see what it's like. And, uh, and so I did. And except when exams fall on the weekend or some other things, I have been participating ever since. Um, for a period of time, I'm not sure, maybe two or three years, I also went to the street marathons, um, which are the ones that are held here at the college. Um, so that was how I became involved in the Kairos marathons and um, was very touched. Just a little um, something that I always talk about when, we, uh, when I'm with Clarence and we talk about the marathons. Don't worry, Wilma, don't worry. It's your first time. You won't get put on the hot seat. 
the men are always very, very um, respectful, and you know they they won't do that. Maybe the second time you come back, they'll do it. So, who puts me on the hot seat the very first time? <laughs> and uh, I cried probably for an hour as I talked about what was happening in my life and and uh, the things that were happening in my heart. And uh, it was an incredible experience. I learned a lot about myself, for sure. Um, so. It had a huge impact on me, and then I continued with the some of the 32 various other jobs that I did, um, bits and pieces here and there, what am I going to do when I grow up. Um, so in my late 30s, early 40s, um, I was actually youth pastor uh, for the summer at Ludlow, New Brunswick which is right in the middle. We put an X on top of New Brunswick. It's right there in the middle. I don't um, see Evan or Kayla here this morning. That's yes. kind of their home turf. Yeah, close to Dovetown. And, um, and while I was there, um, I was only three quarters of an hour from Renews, uh, Atlantic Institution. So I went up. I had been um, corresponding with one of the inmates that I had met at the very first Christmas program that I had gone to. And uh, encouraging him and, and so on. And I knew the chaplain at uh, Atlantic, and so I said, Oh, can I come up and have a visit with Gary? And Hank said, Sure. So I went up and had a, an hour long visit with Gary, and then Hank and I, the chaplain, went out to yes, perhaps give his name. Hank Dixon, mm -hmm. um, also, no, he didn't graduate from here, um, but uh, very well known in corrections. Um, we went out for lunch, and Hank said to me, "So, what are you know, what are you doing, and how are you doing?" And um, you know, so we started talking about um, this heaviness on my heart for inmates, um, for long-term inmates specifically. And he said at one point, "So, have you ever thought of becoming a prison chaplain?" Huh? <laughs> I said, "No." But that fall, I enrolled uh, part-time. I took one course, um, New Testament, here at the college. And, um, and honestly, uh, I don't remember how I made that decision. I remember telling my family that um, I was going to start taking courses part-time as uh, one of the former presidents here used to say, I crammed a three-year degree into seven years. <laughs> um, and, uh, but with the intention of becoming a prison chaplain. Um, and so that's what I did. And I, I honestly, I mean, people ask often, you know, when you're out and about, you know, what do you do? And I'm a prison chaplain, I'm like, oh, like how, do you, how do you do that? Or how did you get into that? And truly, it, my only explanation is the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's, that's what carries me through, and that's how I got involved. Okay, well, you can see. These are typical 
counseling type individuals, and so they talk a lot once they get going. <laughs> So we, uh, we're not going to be able to get through all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to focus uh, a little more specifically in this next question. And so I, I'm going to ask you, what are some of the primary in, um, issues in your ministry? There are lots. You can enlarge. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps I'll get you to explain what a, mar a Kairos marathon is, sure. because I'm sure it's a mystery to most of you. So, yeah. in, in a nutshell, um, we come together both here at the Katie Divinity College for a day, uh, nine uh, in the morning till six or eight o'clock in the evening. We sit in a circle. Uh, we have an opening um, ritual again. Uh, covenant promises that we make to one another about being together for the day and that's about creating safe place and confidentiality um, and the circle is again uh, a spiritual therapeutic circle first and foremost for me spiritual second therapeutic because again of our training and Charlie's training and um, once we have our opening ritual um, we do something uh, that's around an act of imagination, that's uh, looking in our interior life and might speak to us, might not. Uh, and after that, we do introductions. We roll the, uh, what we call a metaphor ball, and people get to speak, and they pick it up. It's all voluntary. It's um, people speak, and the, the group, the leadership comes from the group. The, the group helps people bring out what might be hidden to themselves, and often that hiddenness is around wanting to protect a place that they've been wounded or a painful place. Uh, we, we have people share their celebration because that's just as important, um, but often because people are longing to, again, bring themselves out. It's that the whole day is centered around that. We break for meals, we share meals together, but in that space, again, it's about um, creating a safe and trusted respected place of diverse um, views. And so the issues uh, for the inmates and for people who come to the street marathons are around um, the themes could be abandonment by loved ones, by one or both parents, um, being uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually abused, um, their addictions, again, drugs, alcohol, food, sex, um, and the struggle with that, um, and their sense of um, really trying to work through a confusion because um, many people know who God is, but their, their capacity to experience God and find God is so um, thwarted by, again, the pain that's in their life. And ultimately, um, Society doesn't make it easy either for people to be wounded and to be, feel like they're normal. And so society says, if we're an inmate, um, put them in jail, let them do their time, and you have quite a range of do the crime, do the time, uh, and the focus being on punishment, not on um, helping them grow and learn and be 
back in society because ultimately we, you and I and the inmates are looking for a place where we, we belong. Where do I really feel safe that I can be my true self? How can I grow to be my true self? And that's a journey for me. That's a journey for the inmates, but it's quite a privilege to journey there. So that's some of the issues that, um, that come up. Thank you. Wilma, I'm going to, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to add yeah. know, the same thing. Um, to add to what Clarence said, it's not just the inmates who are suffering that, because the volunteers who go in often speak, take the ball, and speak as well. For some of the volunteers, the Kairos Marathon, are their safe place in the world as well. I'm going to ask you another question, and that's how can the prison ministry be an extension of the ministry of Christ's church? So how, how can that happen? What are ways that this prison ministry can be an extension of the ministry of the church? Sure, ask me the one that I can read from here. Um, it, I'll back it, you up. <laughs> It's an extension of, of Christ's church because um, if you're going in to do prison ministry with, within the prisons, then you're taking, I mean, the prison then becomes your congregation or your, your church family. So the same as you would minister to the folks in your congregations and your church families, you would minister to the inmates as well. So, um, and it's an extension of, um, of Christ's ministry. Um, at the jail last night, we had fellowship nights. So there were a group of Catholic folks from two of the Catholic churches in the area who came in to lead the service. There are a number of churches who come in on Tuesday nights to do that. And one of the things um, that the one of the women said was, um, I mean, they did a little devotional, and then, and then we were talking after, you know, after the devotional was over. And one of the women said, um, well, obviously, you know, you folks have broken the civic law. That's why you're here. But we've all broken God's laws. And... I mean, she was really talking about how we have all sinned, as it says in Romans, and fall short of the glory of God. Um, and they are <coughs> justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is through Jesus Christ. So as we go in to minister to folks, we take that with us. That love and forgiveness and care, um, those are the words that I use most often when I'm talking to that God loves them unconditionally. Yes, they've done something that they shouldn't. We've all done things that we shouldn't because none of us, to my knowledge, is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he is the only perfect one. So we have all fall, uh, fallen short. And uh, when I minister to the folks, when anyone goes in to minister to them, we take that love, forgiveness, the redemption of Jesus Christ to them. Can I have a look? Yes, I'm, I'm going to say that we just have a few more minutes left, 
but that both Clarence and Wilma are going to be sharing lunch with us, so you can have an opportunity to explore more uh, with them. Um, so I'm going to allow you, Clarence, <laughs> to add to that. One of the quotes that comes out of the, uh, the circle, which, which what I really want to bring here is a question that comes up uh, from volunteers and inmates, and really is, why can't churches be more like this? And so my, my message to you in terms of the extension is, I have no illusion that people here are going to go into prison chaplaincy. But what I do hope is in terms of this ministry happening through the Acadia Divinity College and through Concilio, is that we learn from, again, these experiences about why can't churches be more like this? Because the ministry, and I'll tie it back to the retreat that um, I had the privilege of attending this fall with the ADC, Dr. Kurt, Kurt Thompson. Yes, preaching has a really important role in church, but a more important role is creating safe places for people to confess, as Dr. Kurt Thompson and uh, Jean Vanier's words would be, where people can bring their vulnerabilities. And in our world today, people are longing to be in relationship with, in terms of trust and safe. And what we're learning from the prison marathons that get carried out is, I, I don't have any illusion about wanting to live in a circle for the rest of my life. People say, this is home. And that makes me feel sad because the experience of home needs to be in our own communities. Our churches need to be homes. Not necessarily our own blood family, but our homes. And not large circles, but small, the two or three, can you go and confess? Can you, can you go and find someone that I'm confused and be, where's God in this? Where's Christ in this? Where's the Spirit in this? And that's what we're learning about connecting. And God does actually work through that. And that's why I think the prison ministry isn't, don't hear this about prison ministry, hear this about creating places where we can create trust, safety, to be God being found in the midst of that, in our churches. That's, that's my goal in terms of this ministry through ADC. Thank you. I think that's a good place to end. Um, the other powerful questions that we had can be explored in other